Hello and welcome to Kane and Rinse Sound of Play 56. Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. Joining me today in Sound of Play 56, I am Ryan Heyman. This is Andrew Brown. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me back. Hey, yeah, that's right, because you were um, fairly recently still on our last like big honkin' special, which was all full of Zelda music. Is that what we did? I don't remember. <laughs> Yeah, um, but this time we have uh, we have a more eclectic variety. We have uh, a, a sadly a smaller number of songs, but I think we're still going to fill it up with uh, with a lot of catchy tunes. And that that first track isn't a million miles away from something like kind of Zelda like. This is from another uh, Game Boy title. Do you want to do you want to take us through that one? Yeah, this was a song that I picked. It's uh, it's called Endless Battlefield. It's by Kenji Ito, and it's from. Final Fantasy Adventure, which actually goes by a number of names depending upon where you're mm. 
location is. Uh, Final Fantasy Adventure is the NTSC EU. I think it's called Mystic Quest, which is really confusing to American mm-hmm. players because in NTSC there was a Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, but it was a Super NES game. Uh, and then in Japan, it's known more properly as Seiken Densetsu. It's the first mana game. And uh, mm. it's an endless battlefield. The Mana series is it's famous for its great soundtrack. Like everybody, right. I think, who is really into video game music knows that it's not a piano piece, but it's a synth piano piece, and it sounds really great at the opening menu screen to Secret of Mana. And uh, Kenji Ito didn't work on Secret of Mana, but I think that his heritage is really felt throughout it because mm. Final Fantasy Adventure has a really, really great soundtrack, as you could tell just from Endless Battlefield, which is the overworld music that plays through almost every area of the game. It's a good thing it's such a good song because you hear it a lot. <laughs> and it's this, it's just really infectious and it's got this bouncy bass beat and it's underscored yeah. this, this winding melody that's joined by a musical counterpoint. And Right. You know, this is uh, quite a... Uh, quite an energetic and a bit aggressive of a piece to be an overworld song. Like if I had just listened to this in isolation, I would never have guessed that this would have been an overworld piece. Yeah, well, with the mana games, you're when you're on the overworld, you're not in town. Mm-hmm. They're uh, a real time action RPG, so you're basically okay. always in combat. So like it, it's kind of like being in a battle in a Final Fantasy game, mm-hmm. but whenever you're on the mm. overworld, that's the situation you're in. So you will see. That's kind of why it's more of a, an energetic combat song. Mm. Yeah, so I'm not uh, I'm not as familiar with the Mana series. I've not played anyone um, all the way through. But uh, does this game follow the continuity of the Final Fantasy series since it was kind of roped into that uh, that universe, or is there a separate continuity for the Mana series? Uh, where does this one fall between the two of them? Continuity is kind of hard to nail down with the Mana series, especially <laughs> when there's Legend of Mana, which was the PlayStation One game that mm-hmm. kind of. It follows a uh, cycle where the world resets every time you play it. And when you beat the game, you get to reset the world again and kind of build it yourself. Hmm. And then there's the World of Mana series, which started after Legend of Mana, which I think is its own continuity. But the World of Mana series is notoriously bad, so I haven't played very many of them. But the first three games, which is Second Setsu 1, a.k.a. Final Fantasy Adventure, a.k.a. Mystic Quest, and there's Secret of Mana for Super NES. And then there's Second Densetsu 3, which never got released outside japan although there is a translated rom out there and i highly recommend Mm. it those three follow a rough continuity i guess you could say Mm. um there's strong implications that the characters from final fantasy adventure are either descendants if not the parents of the main character of secret Mm. of mana but it's all really broad strokes. It's really rough continuity. Uh, you could play them all interdependently. You wouldn't notice the difference. Yeah, but uh, let's continue into our exploration of video game music. This next track is a request of mine, and we have another uh, another track from a Nintendo console. This one quite a bit newer, though. This is Welcome to Yoshi's Woolly World by Tomoya Tamita and Misaki Asada. This is from, of course, Yoshi's Woolly World, released on the Wii U back in 2015. And I've just been recently playing through this one as well. And um, I mean, obviously, the the visual aesthetic is very striking. And, you know, I I love that a lot, Uh, just as I liked um, Kirby's Epic Yarn before it, uh, done by the same Good Feel company. But 
I, I think the soundtrack to me really stood out in this one in a way that uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn hadn't. Uh, not that that one has a bad soundtrack, it just didn't stand out to me as much as uh, Yoshi's Woolly World, which I'd say is like one of the best soundtracks of 2015. Like it's it's pretty spectacular all the way through, and it's unusual for a video game soundtrack in particular. And you can you can hear it on this track, not as clearly as you'll be able to hear it on uh, other tracks on the soundtrack, but um, a lot of the songs are composed in a like verse chorus structure they're written like pop songs with the vocals just dropped out and in fact like you can almost kind of like hear where the singer is supposed to be in the mix like it's it's really weird and it's something that like shouldn't strike me as being that odd because most of the music that i listen to is you know verse chorus um types of songs but I don't know, just in a video game soundtrack where these are supposed to be, you know, strictly background music, accompaniment music, um, looping music, especially like it just feels really weird to have that kind of structure in this song. But, um, you know, for as like unusual as it is for its, uh, I guess, video game heritage, it's uh, um, it is also produced like a pop song and i mean that in a very good way um to say that like the the instruments are all super clear um everything is very like very present um it's mastered extremely well um and it's just a real joy to listen to i i remember I, i downloaded this soundtrack and then this is the first song on the soundtrack and when it kicked in it just kind of immediately on a rush to me it was like wow this is this is something really great just those opening chords even um really kind of sell the song and the, the sound that they've created here so um yeah do do listen while we're playing this to the uh to the verse chorus structure and see if you can kind of get a sense of uh of you know, maybe the song that was supposed to be, this feels almost like a collection of B-sides from like some famous producer who just didn't get these particular songs picked up. But um, yeah, this is the wonderful Welcome to Yoshi's Woolly World.
And for our next track, we have a request from the forum. This is from Mononoke, who says, I'm going with a relatively new game that I only played recently, Child of Light. The track in question is Metal Gleamed in the Twilight, full choir version. A very pithy title, I think. I enjoyed my time with Child of Light's pretty art style and by-the-numbers turn-based combat, but the only thing that has stayed with me is the music, composed by the lovely Cora de Pirate, whose work is only made all the more impressive by being composed by someone with the word pirate in their name. Seriously, though, it's a great soundtrack that varies from children's bedtime story, piano-twiddling music, to this type of track, epic and driving choral bombast, which is perfect for the battles that it constantly plays over. Yes, indeed, this is Metal Gleamed in Twilight by Cora de Pirate. Uh, I, I assume that's how you would pronounce that name. Uh, maybe he goes for kind of a fancier pronunciation. It might be like Quir something. Quir <laughs> de Pirate or something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're Americans. <laughs> this one was done by Ubisoft, um, put out in t- 2014, oh. and it was uh, made with their Ubi art engine. I believe it was uh maybe the second or third game i don't remember if this i guess this must have came out after rayman legends well it had to have been if it uses ubi art uh well um i think origins was the one that that was developed for Ooh, so they, they that's had it right the, that's right i'm sure this and legends were kind of in the in the pot at the same time mm-hmm. um but it does kind of maintain rayman legends style like everything is very hand painted and it has that kind of like weird uh, 2D sprites being animated in a 3D engine, kind of like fluidity to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've been uh, I've been dying to to jump into it. I think I own it on like three consoles or something, <laughs> and so I really have no excuse anymore. But this is another one that's available for everything, like this generation and last, pretty much. Uh, yeah, a really great way for me to miss a game is for it to be digital only. So mm, yeah. <laughs> that's probably how I missed it. But I might check it out. This song is. Uh, it's kind of what I come to expect from a JRPG at this point, but it, it does mm-hmm. what it does very well. It embodies that archetype. Yeah, it's, it's, it is very like, I, I like the word that uh, Mononoke uses, bombast. Mm-hmm. And, um, it kind of surprised me because the only things that I had heard from the soundtrack were the more kind of like, uh, small in scale, kind of like child story time, um, tracks, which Mononoke mentioned as well. And so to hear something this kind of grand on the soundtrack was a bit surprising, but there's a there's a lot going on in the track, and it really kind of takes you on a journey. It it doesn't stay the same from moment to moment very long at all. Um, so yeah, I hope that you all enjoy this. This is Metal Gleamed in Twilight.
Okay, speaking of uh, speaking of kind of unusual tracks, you have a, a very strange selection here. <laughs> you want to take us through this one? Yeah, uh, just to start, like you recently got a theremin, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Have you had a chance to play it yet? Yeah, most of the <laughs> oh, I'm such a nerd, but like most of the time that I'm playing the theremin, it's like in accompaniment to uh, like the um, Game Boy soundtracks or n64 soundtracks or something nice can you uh, play the banjo kazooie theme on it that would be awesome that's a a little bit above my uh above (laughs) my skill level at the moment but Uh, maybe someday i can work up to it what i have chosen for our next song the theremin would not sound out Mm. of place and if you don't know what a theremin sounds like it you you know what it sounds like it's Mm -hmm. in those old like spooky silent movies that you've either seen the originals or you've seen parodies of and in Mm -hmm. the background (laughs) when the ghosts go by and you can see the rope clearly in the background holding it here and it goes mm-hmm. i can't do the sound very well but that's a theremin yeah and it could be used musically as well like you'd hear in uh, good vibrations or the doctor who theme song and yes. stuff like that yeah. yes good vibrations that that whirring sound that's in the background they're going yeah, yeah. you got me good vibrations and <laughs> that's a theremin mm-hmm. the song i have chosen is called zombie panic and it's from a game called Zombies Ate My Neighbors, which came mm-hmm. out on the Super NES and the Genesis. It's a LucasArts game published by Konami, and it was written by a man named Joseph McDermott, who is actually still an active musician today, although it seems that Zombies Ate My Neighbors is the most prominent video game he's worked on. Mm. The credits that I found for him on his personal site only listed Zombies Ate My Neighbors, a quote-unquote children's video game, which it's not, by the way. <laughs> um and edutainment titles and other than that he's specifically listed as a children's entertainer the other notable things he's done has been adapting 10 of the berenstain bear books to musicals musicals i I hear that word and i think like broadway stage productions i'm thinking it's more like just a a pop song like a a light probably more along the lines of raffi than yeah yeah (laughs) yeah When I heard this about Joseph McDermott, that this was the work that he had done other than Zombies Ate My Neighbors, blew me away because mm-hmm. this sounds like it came straight from a cheap 80s horror movie. Just listening mm-hmm. to it, you can imagine like a, a camera winding over this cheap set that's decorated with cheap lights and smoke screens and the actors' mm-hmm. names are appearing in front of it. Then they kind of melt away in green slime, you know, that kind yeah. of 80s kitsch. It's got this kind of like winding thing that goes over the top of this really ridiculously awesome bass beat that actually it's hard to tell what it's intended to be but it might be a theremin but because they're working with a synth right i think that's what it's trying to emulate but um of course these are all kind of like snes sounds yeah (laughs) which um if you are inspired by this song to seek out the rest of the soundtrack, find the Super NES version because the Genesis version did not sound good. <laughs> but it's also included, aside from the mock theremin, it's also predating Plants vs. Zombies, probably the first hmm. video game soundtrack that features a zombie chorus. Yeah. Which is uh, <laughs> kind of joins in at the end of the the track just before it loops over and the best part is like there's this one zombie who's just a little offbeat and he just gets his little grunt sound in just before the song loops back over it's just it really captures the fun and the speed of zombies ate my neighbors it's i highly recommend the game not just for its soundtrack but for the entire package so this is zombie panic by joseph mcdurbit from zombies ate my neighbors
something completely different uh then this next track is one of mine this is main plaza afternoon by ryo nagamatsu from nintendo land the pack-in game with the wii u i guess it was for a while at least yeah mine didn't come packed in with it i got mario kart 8 okay well that's uh that's a pretty (laughs) nice pack-in as well (laughs) yes it is i like nintendo land for what it was and i think like it is a really good I don't want to call it the ultimate pack-in game because, uh, you know, Wii Sports before it was kind of the definitive pack-in game for a while there. But uh, it does a really good job of showing off what the Wii U is capable of. It straddles the line between being a like a tech demo and being a satisfying package in and of itself. Um, I mean, you can really tell when you're playing it that like each of these games was made specifically to show off like functionality of the controller. But... That doesn't mean that they aren't, you know, Nintendo fun. Like every, almost every game on here is a couple of stinkers. But for the most part, like uh, some of these games are still like, I'll break them out at parties even still because uh, wonderful, fun times. Um, my my buddies back in a uh, year after college, and I was still living in my college town, um, we used to get together and play this uh, almost every night. And we'd go around and, and hop between the mini games and then, play some pachinko with the coins that we earned and um but the the special thing about this game is that all of these mini games are arranged around this like central hub that's meant to look like a theme park kind of like a disneyland i think is what it's playing off of um i mean very minimal not not something to the scale of disneyland but it's just enough to make you really want there to be a Nintendo Land in real life. Well, they're working on one, and maybe this is what they're going to base it on. <laughs> That's right. That would be pretty cool, because this song in particular um, does have that Disneyland feeling. Like I I say that all the time on Sound of Play, I'm realizing, but uh, it, I don't know, it's, it's what it makes me think of. I spent so much time in Disneyland growing up, and I just recorded a series of videos about, uh, about Connect Disneyland Adventures that... Um, that kind of takes you through a tour of the park. And so like, this is really something that's close to my heart, so to speak. And um, just to have like this, not an adaptation of the music, but this like real like embracing of that Disney spirit, but infused with the uh, sensibilities of 
the Nintendo musical history um, is really something special. And uh, musically, this coming track stacks a whole bunch of instruments on top of each other. And uh, everything is played like very perfectly in sync, which makes me think it's probably like a MIDI recording. Like it, it sounds too perfect to be mm. a studio recording, but uh, you know, it could just be, um, they could just be that good. Who knows? But everything is so like perfectly in sync, like note for note that they all kind of like fade into one sound and it just makes it sound like a really like unknown, like Dr. Seuss type instrument with each note that's played. Uh, but if you like really listen, really listening closely, like you can pick apart, like there's the strike of a piano key and a violin string and all of these like different instruments that are going into it. And that's kind of like what I want to challenge you, the listeners to do with this track. Uh, if you can just like focus in really closely and every like, you know, 10 seconds or so, just follow a different instrument in the mix whether it's the uh, the various percussion tracks, of which this track has many percussion tracks that are all doing really interesting things, um, whether it's just one layer of the more tonal instruments, uh, just, just hone in on something and follow it and then switch to something else because there's a lot of layers to pick apart here and it makes for a very um, complex, very tightly woven composition, but overall it's a very catchy track. It is almost aggressively earwormish and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's something that I, I listened to a lot and never quite got tired of despite how, how cheery and optimistic it is. It can be a little wearying sometimes, but it's, this is a wonderful composition. I believe it was in uh, in the new Smash Bros as well, so you're probably familiar with it. But anyways, this is Main Plaza Afternoon by Ryo Nagamatsu from Nintendo Land.
our next track is from Maxstat from the forum, who says, It's time to throw something from Witcher Blood and Wine, and because I don't want to spoil anything by giving the name of the song, I will post something innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, behold, New Gwent music. Oh, thank God, New Gwent music. Uh, <laughs> I think we both just recently finished playing The Witcher hmm. 3. Like, yeah. You, you skipped the Gwent, though. I think I read that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I played a lot of Gwent. And I'm still not done. Mm. <laughs> I beat the game, but there was still some cards I didn't get. Mm. And the music that plays over the Gwent, you hear a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I I was very happy to have heard this, because I hadn't started Blood and Wine yet. Mm. But when I was preparing for this podcast, I was very happy to listen to this. It was like, oh, good. I have this to look forward to. <laughs> New Gwent music instead of that damn song which is a fine song but after you've heard it for 10 hours you're just like right. oh no more no <laughs> more <laughs> yeah you know i i don't really get on with uh with strategy card games myself it's just not really how my my brain is wired so to speak and so i never got into gwent but um... well you're in luck because actually <laughs> on the witcher 3 all you have mm-hmm. to do is get yourself the northern kingdoms deck don't ever change mm-hmm. off of northern kingdoms get you the leader card for the northern kingdoms that lets you clear any weather effect mm-hmm. and then stock up on spy cards and synergy cards <laughs> and you will never lose okay there is no strategy there is no depth to witcher 3 gwent mm. I- i'm sorry but there isn't <laughs> it's been a very popular portion of the game and uh, so much so that they're even spinning it off into its own kind of standalone product yeah and I- i'm even looking forward to that because mm-hmm. i i like the idea of the game i'm interested mm-hmm. to see what they do with the more depth but even at e3 when they revealed the gwent the card game they even mm-hmm. said yeah we we realized we made spy cards too damn strong mm-hmm. because that was the entire metagame to the point that there was no metagame just get spy cards you win yeah it'd be interesting to see the this standalone gwent game get the kind of like regular balance updates that uh something like a hearthstone would get yes as you mentioned i did recently finish the witcher 3 including the two expansions um i loved the uh, blood and wine expansion just like being in this very kind of like fairy tale-esque world uh with the blue sky and those uh yellow and green fields just everything feels so different and um it's just kind of a magical place to be it really makes me want to go back and just like take a little walking tour in vr Hmm. um if that ever i I don't they've they've not teased that they'll be patching that into the game i'm sure if vr catches on Mm -hmm. everything is going to get re-released as vr at some point there's even there's even a mod out there now isn't there that lets you play witcher 3 in first person and i just i looked at that and i was like that would make me instantly sick (laughs) (laughs) yeah um it's uh i i have the ps4 version and so that doesn't help me necessarily but um it, it would be i think it's the type of game that would benefit from vr and just fully immersing yourself in that world uh, you know i had the hardest time getting on with witcher 3 for for the longest time like i think until like the weekend before blood and wine released like wow. i just didn't enjoy the game yeah, until me, me too. i yeah until i put on like surround sound headphones and to me like that made all the difference because it was just really like put me in that world and that's really what i kind of like anchored onto after that uh, i i the first time I tried playing it, I quit in despair because mm-hmm. I, I was playing on Death March and I was just getting my mm. 
behind handed to me <laughs> by uh-huh. by specters but the thing about witcher 3 that is one of my biggest criticisms of it is uh it, it's got a really weird difficulty curve where it's mm. really really hard in like the first 20 hours but mm. once you break through that like equipment barrier and you've gotten a few skills so that you can build adrenaline points and you've got your set of griffin gear in the challenge evaporates and you just you, you coach through the rest of the game, and it's just a matter of being able to sit there for 90 hours to beat the freaking thing. Yeah, I think uh, CD Projekt Red kind of addressed a lot of the complaints that I had about the base game uh, at the very beginning. I had a really hard time controlling Geralt uh, yes. with any degree of uh, accuracy, which they've... It, it's not been entirely ameliorated, but they've improved it quite considerably. Uh, with a new control option. And I had the hardest time trying to find blacksmiths when I needed them. Yes. And it felt like my equipment was always breaking. And so I would sit down for like a, I have an hour or two out of my day, like let's play some Witcher 3. And the entire time was spent trying to read that little tiny map, trying to find (laughs) blacksmith icons and uh, and then you go there and it's like, oh, no, that's just an anvil that I can use to reinforce my armor. Like, where can I find an actual blacksmith? And Even even after the Blood and Wine update, the, the interface and the inventory mm-hmm. system just remains less atrocious than it was, but it's still yeah. atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, this is uh, some of the music. This is Gwent music by... Mm, by the composers of The Witcher 3. You can look it up yourself. There's a lot of vowels in that name. I don't even know what some of those <laughs> accents are. Yes. Well, anyways. We're American. <laughs> by The Witcher 3 sound team. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, and this next track is from a uh, 2012 game. This really surprised me that this game was this old, uh, that this game and Nintendo Land came out in the same year. Like, that kind of threw me for a loop. Like, I guess it lines up that way. But this is from Dear Esther, the kind of legendary score that Jessica Curry composed for that game. I'm surprised we haven't featured any tracks from on Sound of Play so far. But this is I Have Begun My Ascent, which is one of the, like, uh, probably three tracks that are, like, very well known from the Dear Esther soundtrack. Um, I've recently played through uh, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, which I really loved again. And again, Jessica Curry's soundtrack really stands out in that game as well. Um, I, I think it doesn't stand alone quite as nicely as Dear Esther's soundtrack does, which I think is still a pretty legendary composition. But, um, you know, both soundtracks are really incredible. Um, but this track is, uh, I, I like it's it's a powerful song. Those, those piano chords are just really hammered in. And... Um, it starts off with a very simple melody, a very slow-moving melody as well that uh, has some really weird like accents layered onto it, uh, just weird little like artistic flourishes and kind of like atonal, even kind of off-putting stuff at times. But it all comes together with these uh, almost kind of like industrial noises or or noises that sound like choir voices and stuff to create this really ghostly kind of track that still remains somewhat inspiring in spirit, which is kind of the uh, the mood of the game. And I don't know if that's because the written narrative was strong enough to convey that or whether that was because this soundtrack is so like integral to the experience of Dear Esther that, you know, the, the mood that the soundtrack gives off bleeds over into the uh, the overall game experience but um yeah this song is a nice little microcosm of dear esther this song did actually make me more interested in playing it mm -hmm. uh, i i really enjoyed how it, it just has that repeating chords through there i think it's just mm -hmm. two chords just played over and over and over again in different rhythms and i just i liked how you could chart your path through the entire song just by listening to those two chords so i think yeah. if you're having difficulty appreciating the musicality of this song that would be my recommendation would be to just focus on those chords and let everything else just kind of float around you and go by you yeah it's, it's very peaceful in a way yeah it's uh peaceful with like just a little tiny error of like sinister i guess there's some uh, there's some strange stuff in there but anyways this is i have begun my ascent by jessica curry from dear esther
Okay, another track here. This is a request from the forum. This is from Todinho, who says, Just finished Fury, and this track was my favorite in the game. Maybe it's because of how fast-paced it is, or how it matches the boss fights perfectly. Or maybe it's just because I heard it for hours while Boss 7 kept pummeling me into the ground. Either way, I like it a lot. Uh, this is Your Mine by Carpenter Brute from Fury. That's a great name to have on a soundtrack like this, Carpenter Brute. But uh, Fury, that is a relatively new release that was kind of uh, under the radar release. That it's was very uh, new. It came out just last month, I think. Yeah, yeah. But this was put on PlayStation Plus, which kind of rocketed it to mm-hmm. fame. Um, it's a it's a strange one. It's kind of like uh, kind of like Titan Souls. It's what it reminds me the most of, in that. Everything in the game is, uh, like, it's all boss fights and walking between boss fights. Hmm. Uh, I guess similar to Shadow of the Colossus in that way as well. But But, probably not as big as Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, right. You're not fighting, like, these... uh, Most of the time, at least as far as I've gotten in the game, you're fighting kind of human-sized enemies. Mm -hmm. Um, But everybody has multiple health bars and... Uh, different attack patterns and it plays a little bit like mm, like hyperlight drifter meets bloodborne meets um near the ps3 dragon guard spinoff uh, in that you can uh, you have a gun that can fire little bullets you've got a sword that can swipe when they're close to you And um, you're constantly kind of dodging between bullet hell patterns and uh, very pronounced physical attacks and lasers. And it's it's a game that requires your full attention and full concentration, but it's quite exhilarating when you get into the swing of things. Uh, My kind of complaint about this is that it is extremely hard. And so even at its kind of normal difficulty level, it's very punishing in a way that... um, I think it requires a little bit of luck or a mm. lot more skill than I think I <laughs> naturally possess. Um, even once I do understand the boss, like I still find myself dying a lot, a lot. Um, and then if you kick it down to the previous difficulty level, it makes it way too easy. And oh, so I think wow. it could really do with a uh, in-between difficulty level. But it, it's worth experiencing. Oh, listening to this song, I couldn't tell if it was an 80s power ballad or mm. an obnoxious dubstep song. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> yeah, it, str- it straddles that line. I think a lot of the aesthetic does as well. It has those very pronounced, like, uh, purples and greens and whites in its color scheme that's just very, uh, um, really jumps out at you. Mm. But, yeah, if, if y'all haven't played it yet, then I would advise just giving the first couple bosses a go. And seeing if it's for you, because um, those are pretty indicative of what the rest of the game is like. But it's it's quite challenging. Just be warned ahead of time. But anyways, this is Your Mine by Carpenter Brute from Fury. <laughs>
Okay, we have one track left, but before we do that, remember you can venture over to our forum at canonrince.com slash forum, or get in touch with us on Twitter at canonrince. And uh, we have a Facebook page as well, search canonrince on that, where you can request your favorites, and we'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for each regular Sound of Play podcast. Please do subscribe to Sound of Play and to Canon Rinse and leave us an iTunes review or rating, or if, if you have not, that does help us out a lot. I'd like to thank Andrew for joining us for another Sound of Play. I, I'm sure you'll be back in the future sometime. Always appreciate your contributions here. I'm happy to do it. And thanks again to our community contributors who give us all these wonderful diverse tracks. Otherwise, it would be all uh, all old Nintendo tracks, it seems. <laughs> That'd be fine with me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, anyways, uh, one more thing that I want to not announce because I announced announced it on Twitter, but want to at least bring to the attention of the podcast listeners, this particular Sound of Play is number 56. In Sound of Play number 50, we did our Legend of Zelda special, and similarly, like we will do with every 10th Sound of Play, we are continuing that tradition in Sound of Play 60 by bringing you a two-hour donkey kong country special Woo! yes featuring quite a bit of music from the donkey kong country uh one two and three soundtracks primarily with uh probably dipping into some of the uh the donkey kong country revival mm. soundtracks uh on the the wii and the wii u versions there but uh, we have a lot of david wise and Evelyn fisher coming up so look forward to that in Sound of Play 60, that is going to be myself and our resident rare fanboy, Darren Gargett, on that one. So, um, yeah, look forward to that. I am looking forward to it. Donkey Kong Country, the first one, was the first mm. game I ever left on pause in background just so I could listen to the music. Mm. Especially the, I don't know the name of the track, but the the music that plays in the underwater stages. I love that song. Yeah, yeah. That is the very famous aquatic ambiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will certainly hear that as well as uh, we'll be playing the fan favorites, of course. But um, I, I think as with the Legend of Zelda one, we also want to take this time to introduce people to tracks that were probably overlooked. Uh, of course, we're drawing from a much smaller selection of games than the entire Legend of Zelda series this time around. But uh, uh, but there is still quite an abundance of music on there and some very diverse stuff. So uh, expect to hear some of the songs that you've grown up loving and some of the songs that you uh, might not be as familiar with. So we will be featuring that in Sound of Play 60 in, in four more issues here. But before we do that, we have one last track for today. This is a, uh, a another one of Andrew's. Yeah, so have you played any of the LucasArts Adventure games? Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of the... Uh, of the Salmon Max and the Monkey Islands and yeah. the uh, Day of the Tentacle, that kind of stuff. Those are the is, ones everyone has played. Have you ever yeah. <laughs> played The Dig? No, you, this is not one that I'm even really even remotely familiar with. Well, it is available on Steam. If you see it oh, on okay. if you see it on sale, I highly recommend it. Mm. It's it's unlike any other LucasArts adventure game. It's it has humor in it, but it's not out and out a comedy like mm-hmm. most of the other LucasArts adventures are. Uh, it actually started off as a project that Steven Spielberg was working on. Uh, it started off for that, uh, I think, Amazing Stories TV show that he had. I think that was the name okay. of it. 
where uh, we got other projects from that, like American Dog also came from that show, and the, the movie uh, Close en- not Close Encounters, uh, Batteries Not Included, also were projects that started off as Amazing Stories episodes. But The Dig was such a big, huge idea. He said, let's make a movie out of this. But this was the early 90s, and it was such a big, huge idea, they couldn't even afford to make it then. So hmm. Steven Spielberg, somewhat strangely, if you know his opinion about video games said, well, why don't we make a video game out of it instead? So it had ended up in the hands of LucasArts who made this just fantastic, uh, lost on an alien world adventure. Would this have come after the, uh, Indiana Jones and the fate of Atlantis or beforehand? I believe it came after it came out in 1995. Okay. That might be what kind of impressed Spielberg so much to return to this team. Could have been. Yes. Uh, cause it was made by the same people. I think it was made on, the same engine hmm. as Fate of Atlantis was. Right. Be the, was that the scum engine that it was running on at the time? I believe so. Yes. Okay. I, I'm not, I haven't read up on the, okay. <laughs> the LucasArts Adventures in a long time, but um, it's, uh, the music is done by Michael Land, who did the music for basically all of the LucasArts Adventures hmm. games. Mm-hmm. But this in really captures kind of the different tone of the dig compared to the other LucasArts Adventure games. It really captures the wonder of space. It it casts space as this dangerous but really also wonderful place for you to explore because in the first act of the game, you actually do begin with your characters on Earth and you go into outer space on what appears to be an entirely normal shuttle mission. And this is the music that plays during the game's introduction that explains its concept. And it's called Mission to the Asteroid. It's grand, but mellow and an ultimately peaceful track. So you might actually want to save it for bedtime. Don't blame me if you drop off to sleep (laughs) listening to it. Very cool. Yes. So this is Mission to the Asteroid by Michael Land from The Dig. And we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. 